Lauren Daigle announces her new album, Thank God I Do, that will certainly be sung across America in a number of churches. But to the surprise of many, she also announced some of the co-writers of the album that include writers who have not only worked on sensual and even blasphemous albums, but among the writers of this Christian album is a practicing homosexual who is in fact legally married to another man. As we discuss whether or not Christians should be worshiping to songs written by unbelievers. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at specifically Lauren Daigle's new album and show a recent post that actually went viral regarding Lauren Daigle and her concert, as well as looking at some of the people who are writing songs that many Christians all over America here and actually all over the world will be singing inside of their cars and even for some in churches at their worship services. But before we get into it, we would love if you would leave a like and if you could subscribe to Good Fight Ministries and even click on the bell if you feel so led to make sure that you are getting notifications when we have new videos. We try to bring out three to four new videos every single week for you. And if you listen via podcast, make sure that you leave a five-star review if you feel so led because the only reason we ask that is so these messages could get to as many people as possible so that we can correct, admonish, and also bring the gospel to this lost and dying world. So on today's episode, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about Lauren Daigle, who announced the forthcoming album that she has coming out, in fact, on the day of the release of this very episode. And I want to read from the press release on the album. Lauren Daigle, featuring Thank God I Do, is due out May 12th, 2023. Thank God I Do marks the launch of a new creative chapter for the multi-platinum selling Louisiana-bred artist who just last month announced the signing to Atlanta Records in partnership with longtime label home centricity music. The creative team behind Lauren Daigle is led by Grammy-winning producer Mike Elizondo of 21 Pilots, Mary J. Blige, Fiona Apple, and Carrie Underwood, and includes co-writes with Natalie Hemby. Shane McCannelly, Amy Wadge, Lori McKenna, Jason Ingram, and John Green, to name a few. Lauren Daigle comprises 10 soulful and uplifting songs to be released. And Lauren Daigle, in terms of an artist, has been put in both the Christian realm as well as the secular realm. In fact, she even appeared on Ellen DeGeneres' show, And when we actually look at what has gone on since she hit these multi-platinum heights, we actually see somebody who has acquiesced to the culture, has been unwilling to forget when we talk about whether or not she can call out sin, but actually she has been unwilling to even call herself a Christian artist and believes that she would be better described as merely an artist uh, who, I guess, happens to be Christian and The truth is, is one of the sad things that I've seen, obviously with Lauren Daigle and other artists as well, who have been embarrassed at the name of being called a Christian. It's one thing to say, hey, I'm I'm an artist who happens to be a Christian if you're having that conversation. It's another thing to say, I don't like to be called that, uh, especially because in 1 Peter chapter 4, 
It says, if someone calls us a Christian, that we should bear that name with honor. It should be not something that we push aside. And in fact, the word Christian, when we look at the New Testament, is only used three times, and all of which have to do with someone else calling you that very thing, rather than you saying, I'm a Christian. But it actually has to do with an insult that somebody would call you. But the truth is, is we want to be called that. We would like for someone to look at us, look at our lifestyle, and say that person obviously represents the Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. And that's really important. In fact, we actually wrote an article about Lauren Daigle. Just so you know, we haven't, this isn't something brand new to us, but some of the artists she has decided to co-write some songs with that plenty of people will be worshiping um, to these songs, singing hopefully to the Lord, but not realizing ultimately what they're doing and who they are singing alongside, who wrote these songs, who is actually going to be making money off of you singing them, thinking you're talking to the Lord, but ultimately they were singing it to someone else. I think when plenty of people found out about Boy George and George Michael, about some of the love songs they were singing, realizing those men were actually singing them to men, it might have felt a little more awkward for people singing them. And in the same way, when someone who is an unbeliever is writing a song, and we are singing it in hopes of saying, God, I want to give you the glory, and realizing what they were actually writing about. It actually, the intent of the writer does matter. And I, and I say this from a biblical standpoint. When it comes to the singing of songs, and I think about the times in the New Testament. Obviously, we could deal with the book of songs. Obviously, we could deal with Psalm 150 of all the different instruments that are used, and I, I, we could talk about how God used music through his people in warfare, in fact. In Second Chronicles uh, chapter 20, I believe it's 31 through 35, you have an entire instance where they begin singing and praising the Lord, and the Lord sends ambushes against the enemy, and the enemy actually kills themselves. <laughs> kind of a crazy story, but, but this is true. And we know that even in spiritual warfare, when the Holy Spirit had left Saul and had taken off, right, and went upon David, guess what? Saul would have evil spirits come and torment him, and the way to get that away was the man who had the Holy Spirit, David, would come and play his harp so that the demons would flee. But the truth is, is in the New Testament, not only do we have an instance where Jesus enacts the new covenant, right? We have the, the first communion, so to speak, given the Passover uh, that, that Jesus gives to them. This is my body. This is my blood. And it says that he actually sang a hymns with them and then went off. And I think about that. But also, when you have in what are called circular letters in both Ephesians and Colossians, that those are letters that were to be circulated. They were not just simply isolated, but circulated to the churches around so that we would know exactly hey, this is how things are supposed to be run. This is how the church is supposed to uh, act. These are some doctrines that are trying to be taught in the church that we need to get out. This is how the enemy is going to come after us and all these sorts of things. But there are two verses. Actually, there's a lot of Ephesians and Colossians in both of those books. There's a lot of things that Paul repeats over and over again. And Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, and then in Colossians chapter 3 at verse 16, there are these verses that are very similar one to another. In Ephesians 5.19, this is right after Paul has expressed to them 
to make the most of their time because the days are evil, to walk as wise and not as unwise. This is right after in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, that we're called, which is the name of this show, if you ask in the comments, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, 511 News, uh, to have no fellowship or have nothing in common with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And then it says in verse 12 that it's even shameful to have to speak about these things. In the same way, earlier in the chapter, he says, man, these things should not even be named among you. And he says it's a shameful thing that we have to even speak about these things. But then verse 13 and verse 14, where it talks about these things being exposed to the light and then Christ arising and shining in people's hearts. And that's exactly what we want, for people to see the darkness. In fact, I was just talking with someone, and if you notice, I'll have a couple more uh, cuts and scrapes. I'm just healthy enough to finally start uh, rolling around and grappling again. And I was just talking with someone after who had recently come to Christ because he saw he has children and he sees all the evil going on in the world And he was waiting, ultimately, for someone to express him the truth because we have the answer, because we have a faith that culminates in Jesus coming back for his bride. We have a faith that culminates with a new heaven and a new earth. We don't have something that's cyclical, and these are just cycles, and hopefully we're on the right cycle at this time that we get to be a part of, you know, some reincarnated nonsense. But no, we have a faith that culminates. And he said that it was ultimately that. He saw all the wickedness in the world, and he said, there's got to be some sort of answer. And ultimately, that's what we're supposed to be do. Always be ready to give a defense and apologia for the hope that is within you. And so we have a hope that the world doesn't have. We want to share that with people. But then we we get to that. We expose that. But we want Christ to arise and shine in people's hearts. And then Paul says that we need to make the most of our time for the days are evil. We don't want to waste this time. As C.T. Studd said in his poem, I love the missionary to Congo and so forth. C.T. Studd, also the famous cricket player, said, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last, and when I am dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life is burned out for thee. And that is a that is a poem I think about a lot in my walk with Christ, but it all is encompassed there in Ephesians 5, about making the most of your time. And I have to be honest, when I look at that, making the most of our time because the days are evil, walk in a manner worthy of our calling, walk in the light, walk in the truth of God's word, I don't have time to listen to music that is nonsense. I don't have time to listen to music that is not going to benefit my walk with Christ. I'm just being honest with you. And right after that, in verse 19, in chapter 5, it says this, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord. And guys, this is what it says in Colossians chapter 3, a very similar saying written by the same person, not only Paul himself, but also the Holy Spirit. And this is how it's put. I'll start in verse 15. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, have authority, be the ruler of your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. And then verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And that's supposed to be what we do as believers. We're naturally, supernaturally, 
what happens is the byproduct of our heart is that we have Christ dwelling richly in us, and it causes us to sing and teach one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And God knows how we're designed. He's the one who designed us. And so when it comes to worship, when it comes to songs, there is a reason that you could be walking down the street and just a slight a slight part of a song that you heard back in the day comes and you hear it and you can think the entire songs and many of the lyrics right then and there because the way you've been designed. And the fact is, is that when we look at music, it has an effect on our mind and we meditate on it and we think on those things and we memorize those things over and over again. It's very rare that someone walks down the street and goes, man, I can't get that sermon out of my head. But how often does somebody say, man, I can't get that jingle out of my head? That's what that's what it does to you. It's how we've been designed. And I believe because we're supposed to have these hearts that have Christ ruling in our hearts and the word of Christ dwelling in us richly so that we can teach one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So yes, these worship leaders that are sharing with you, that are singing, no matter who it is, and we're talking about Christian worship or idol worship, you are being taught. You are worshiping. You are being taught. You may think you're not worshiping. I'm just going to a concert. Ultimately, whatever they're singing and you're meditating on, you are being taught. It is getting into your heart. That is what is taking place. And so when worship leaders are singing songs, they are teaching. And I believe that to be true at the worship service on the Lord's Day. When you come together, you are being taught. And it is very, very bad. It is not a good idea to have people up there who are not ready to teach through the singing. I, I'm just being honest, and a lot of these songs teach things that are contrary to the Word of God, if you look at some of the lyrics, and some of them, you have no idea if you're talking about God or simply your girlfriend or boyfriend. And when it comes to this, we're also talking now about the people that are involved with Lauren Daigle. And I want to quote this. This is from an article that we have on the website. I think Tony Palacio is attributed to the article, but I think I wrote most of this, Tony. But nonetheless, Tony helped me out with this article and it's about Lauren Daigle, and it, the article is titled, Lauren Daigle Doesn't Know If Homosexuality Is a Sin. Grammy-nominated Christian music artist Lauren Daigle was asked on the Dominic Naughty Show, Do you feel that homosexuality is a sin? You know, I, I can't honestly answer on that in the sense of I have too many people that I love that they are homosexual, um, I don't know. I actually had a conversation with someone last night about it, and I was like, I can't say one way or the other. I, I'm i not God. So when, yeah. people, when people ask questions like that, that's what my go-to is. Like, I just say read the Bible and find out for yourself. Because, and when you find out, let me know, because I'm learning too. Now, a lot of people would say that that is a cop-out, and that's exactly what it was. But when we actually look at Lauren Daigle's lifestyle and the people she has chosen to write music with now, we see that this expression, one, the fact that she's been a Bible-believing Christian for as long as she has, and to say she doesn't know, then she shouldn't even be teaching through her music whatsoever. But nonetheless, when we see that taking place, and when we see someone saying, I don't even know what the Bible says, you read it and find out, I have no idea— in all honesty, it's probably cowardice, and it probably is a PR, uh, not a nightmare, but what the PR firm that is behind her is telling her to say. Just an honest um, evaluation, I would say. 
but I recently saw this before I read who was going to be writing music alongside of her. And this was something that went viral. I don't know much about the guy that put it out, but I saw this by someone who apparently went to his concert. And he said this, quote, I do not apologize for what I'm about to say. Please read. I have held off addressing this for a while now, but I can no longer stay silent. There is a difference between worship and entertainment. There is a difference between real Christians and imposters. Sadly, most people can't tell the difference. Satan has done a clever job at creating a counterfeit that somewhat feels good, looks good, and seems good, but at its core is fake. Down here in New Orleans, Lauren Daigle, a few days ago, had a worship concert. He put that in quotations. He said, I realize many professing Christians idolize her and Caleb and other professing Christian radio-based stations play her music. But let me tell you something. There are major issues with this. At this worship concert, there was an open bar. During the worship concert, the entire place was full of people raising their beer cans singing about Jesus. If that wasn't enough, the place was full of drag queens, homosexuals, and lesbians worshiping. People, there's something terribly wrong with this. No matter how you try to excuse it, God is nowhere near that. That isn't worship. That isn't right. I do not care how good the song is or how amazing the talent is or how much you cry when you hear it. It isn't real. It can't be. Satan has blinded this world. He's created a counterfeit Christianity that allows everyone to live perverted and a, quote, Jesus that accepts them the way that they are. Writing Jesus in the lyrics, telling a cute story, shedding a tear or two, and raising a hand don't mean it's real. Wake up. God's power will never mix with perversion, period. Now, that was just anecdotal evidence of the things that were going on at her concert. And when we actually look at this new album that is coming out and see some of the co-writers, and by the way, I've looked up a number of Christian artists who have had people write songs for them that write songs for Metallica and other bands that you'd go, what? This is crazy. But when we look at some of the actual material and songs that some of the writers have been a part of, I'm just going to go through some of the names that were listed earlier when they were promoting the album. One song that was written by one of the writers known as Amy Wadge wrote this song for Zach Abel to sing. The song, of course, as mentioned in the title, is very sensual and is titled Only When We're Naked. And here are some of the lyrics. Baby, let me know you. Nothing but the whole truth. I want to see the side of you. You don't reveal. Love me at your loudest. Let me see your wildest. This feeling in my heart is cold and I'm for real. So intoxicating when we make love. Only when we're naked can we be one. I don't want to hold back. Baby, you should know that. I would walk across the world to see you through. We can make it holy. You just got to show me. Because I say love's a ruined world meant for two. Of course, the sensual nature um, for some reason, with so much of this music, they always want to play on words that are biblical, but always use it to describe something that's unbiblical, such as fornication. Obviously, if somebody is making it holy, they're fornicating beforehand, and they want to make it holy. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, that the marriage bed is undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. What you reap, you shall sow. Uh, Lori McKenna was also a part of another song. Uh, this is another one of the writers that is on this album, according to their own press release. Lori McKenna wrote a song, and here are some of the lyrics. 
I ain't your mama. I ain't your priest. I got no time to waste on your saving grace. So get up off your knees, please. I ain't in a whiskey bottle. I won't let you forget. I ain't no shot of Novocaine, no holy water, cleansing ring to save your neck. Yeah. And that's a song by Little Big Town known as Save Your Sin. But in fact, if we actually look, I mean, even we could go through some of her Twitter feed as well and see some of the blasphemous things. In fact, even talking about Jesus uh, in a sexually exploitative way, just disgusting. But there is a Christian on the album, apparently. There is somebody who claims to be a Christian that does Christian music. And I want to read for you Jason Ingram's last few albums that he has been a part of. Jason Ingram in 2016 was a part of the album Behold, a Christmas collection by Lauren Daigle. But he was also involved with Bethel Music and Brian and Jen Johnson in 2017 for the album After All These Years. He was also involved in 2018 for Corey Asbury's Reckless Love. As well as in 2021, Elevation Worship alongside Maverick City Music. And as we could continue going down this road, you can see this umbrella of these NAR uh, teachers, these NAR worshipers, these New Apostolic Reformation worshipers, these worship artists like Corey Asbury that sing about God's reckless love. Uh, The term reckless should never be used in terms of God. Uh, The term reckless should not be used in terms of the attributes of God, specifically his love. His love is not reckless, and to say something like that is absolutely positively ignorant. And not only that, Corey Asbury in the past has even promoted the works of Richard Rohr. Yes, Richard Rohr, who believes that basically Christ's consciousness comes upon a person, and when it comes to this Christ consciousness, it moves from one person to the next and and so forth. It's actually a Gnostic idea completely. But nonetheless, these are some of the people that he has worked alongside. And I say that all because we've already shown some of these sexually illicit um, people, co-writers that are on this album, but there's also a man by the name of of Shane McCannelly. Shane McCannelly, according to the biographies we read online about him, is a homosexual. In fact, I don't like to say married legally, I guess, as long as they allow that sort of nonsense. But marriage is between one man and one woman, and it's defined by God. So he's as married as much as any married bachelor in my book. All it is is a civil union that is showcasing perversion. But he is somebody who writes a lot of music for different country artists as, and also as well as Kelly Clarkson and others. And when it comes to this, you have somebody who is openly um, flamboyantly homosexual and you have him and broadcast that he's going to be a part of this new album. Thank God I do. And I have to say that God is not thanking her for doing something like that and involving them in the writing of the music that people will be meditating on. The truth is, is when we look at this, it is a heartbreaking thing to involve someone who is practicing this and then say yes and help me write songs that will glorify God. 
This is disgusting. This is heartbreaking. And this is the slippery slope that when she was already acquiescing and being unwilling to simply say, yes, homosexuality is a sin, so is fornication, so is adultery, and we have to speak about those things, and we can love people who are caught up in sin but yet preach the truth to them, you now have a situation where she is not only saying, well, I don't know, go read the Bible and tell me what it says— She is now saying, come alongside with me and help me write songs, you sexually seductive women who write songs of sexual seduction, you blasphemous people who have blasphemous tweets and so forth on your Twitter page and cuss and use foul language, and come alongside us, the homosexual. And the truth is, when we look at 1 Corinthians 5, and I think about this text a lot alongside 2 Corinthians 6, and I love how the Word of God works, because 2 Corinthians 6 tells us to not be unevenly yoked with the non-believer. It says that we'd have to actually leave this earth, basically. In fact, it says that in 1 Corinthians as well. But we'd have to leave this earth to not be involved in some way with non-believers. But when it comes to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the thing that is warned about there is that we should not have any so-called believer, someone who claims to be a Christian, or in this case, I don't know how you could write Christian music without claiming to be a Christian in some way, shape, or form, claims to be that, but is yet sexually immoral and other sins as well, engaged in these sins. And we simply pat them on the back and tell them they're a Christian and eat with them. It says you can't even eat with a person who is a so-called believer who is practicing these unrighteous deeds. And yet not only is she eating with them, She is allowing them to help her write songs that are going to be sung in churches, guys. That's a heartbreaking thing. And I want to encourage you guys that we need to actually care about this stuff. What are you worshiping to? What are you worshiping with? And something I find interesting as well is we recently interviewed, and this is going to be for a future project we're working on, on the New Apostolic Reformation, but we recently interviewed Holly Pivik and Dr. Doug Guyvet on the topic of Bethel and NAR and so forth. And one thing we talked about was the fact that they actually went on Elisa Childers' show and her position before she read their book that we interviewed them about, which was Counterfeit Kingdom, before she had read that, she used to tell people, hey, when it comes to Bethel and Hillsong and Elevation and so forth, when it comes to these these artists, I just look at the songs themselves and if they're good and they're biblical, you can sing them. And she said it was their book that changed her mind. And one of the big things that made that made her change her mind was the fact that these prayers and these songs are not simply petitionary prayers to God, hoping that he will do something in your life or so forth, but that they're actually mandates, that they're actually word of faith mandates telling God what to do. And where they believe, those involved in the New Apostolic Reformation with their false apostles and so forth, they believe when you're singing these songs, you are actually helping them as part of, underneath their umbrella, calling down, telling God basically what to do in a word of faith manner. And it was actually what convinced her to no longer say, you can still sing those songs because of the intent behind it. And that's important for us. When we are looking at these artists, when we're looking at who is writing these songs, who are putting these together, it is important to know what their intent is behind it. And what's, what spirit they're writing it? And what is, what is it of? Is it of the scripture? Is it of the Holy Spirit? Is it of unity of the true body of Christ? Unity that is founded in the truth of God's word because the Bible says that love rejoices in the truth and we want to be 
united in the love that rejoices in the truth, and we want to not have hypocritical love, as Romans 12, 9 says, love without hypocrisy, hate that which is evil, cling to that which is good. And we want to make sure we have that. And I say this to you as believers to encourage you, one, it's great to see correction, somebody be corrected, and then grow from it and say, you know what, that's right, we shouldn't be doing this. And 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 leave room for the grace of God in people's life that correction needs to be done. I'm sure we all need that. I mean, I need that as well. But also, I, I want to encourage you, for those who do not know Christ, maybe you're clicking on this, maybe you are one of those people, as he mentioned, and if he's right, I don't know this guy who wrote all this stuff, but if he's right about this anecdotal evidence of what he saw at the concert, then maybe you're someone who's listening to his music thinking that it's okay, and, and guys, it's not okay, because Christ came to save sinners. Christ died a horrible death on a cross. And when he died that horrible death on the cross, he said, to tell us die paid in full. And one of the promises that Christ gave was that he would send his Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit would go out and convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. When it comes to the practicing of these evils that some of these songwriters are going to be practicing and then guess what? Practicing, glorifying it, and then writing songs that you're now saying, I'm going to glorify God through Guys, we need to say, no, We this is nailed to the cross, and I do not want to glory in shame, and I do not want to sit here in my sin. And if you're somebody who's a practicing homosexual or maybe engaged in pornography or in fornication or adultery or whatever it may be, if you're one of those people that's engaged in that, it is time to recognize that that is the very thing. Those sins that are committed is what nailed Jesus to the cross, and let's begin to hate the thing that nailed Jesus to the cross. And if you are not saved yet, Put your trust in him. This isn't some fairy tale. This is not some fabrication. Jesus Christ died to save sinners, of which I could argue with Paul, I'm the worst, right? And I'm sure you might have those arguments as well, even though Scripture said Paul was the chief of sinners. And Scriptures are always true. So I'll trust that, and I'll I'll put that over my opinion. But the truth is, Jesus Christ did come to save sinners, of which both of us, whether you're watching this, listen to this, or me, myself right here, and he died for our sins. But the great thing is for those that are in Christ, for those who love Jesus, we become more than conquerors, not on our own strength, because apart from him, we can do nothing, but through him who loves us. Let's turn to him. Let's put our trust to Him, trust in him, and let's make sure we lay aside the deeds of the flesh and nail our affections and the things that God hates to the cross and say, yes, Lord, thank you to tell us die. My sins have been bought and paid for, paid in full. And Jesus Christ was resurrected on the third day so that we could know it all is true. This has been Chad Davidson. And this is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.